us would be guilty, but if it wasn't for the grace that reached down. And we pray God's grace would be on you, Brother Ryan, and your family and your children from this time on in a greater measure. God bless you. Just want to, we're going to turn to the scripture right away. I just want to mention next weekend is Easter weekend. So Good Friday is always a time, I think, don't just make it like any other holiday. Make it a time that you can set aside something and remember the Lord. And so um, also on Friday, we're having Good Friday, we're having a witnessing. Brother Marshall, there's those that are contributing. I believe there's a box there. And uh, we don't just want to witness in the same way and give food and things. That's just a bait. But the hook is this message. It's Christ. It's to get the people to Christ. There's many people that witness, many that would partake, but somewhere there might be one, and we need to pray for that. So, and then also on next Sunday, we're going to have Easter services, two services. Brother Dwayne Fair will be here, and he'll be speaking for us, so let's keep that in prayer. It's always a special weekend as well, if I just remember, is that tonight we have the communion, and um, this last week we had a number of people that were sick and things, so... We want to be careful, so what we're going to do tonight is just have the communion. We're not going to do the foot washing. Not that we don't want to. We believe that's an ordinance. But we also want to use wisdom. And uh, we want to do it properly. We also have typically taken our communion from a common cup, but we've been using the couplets, and so we're still going to continue that. We want everybody to be safe. We want to use wisdom. But there's also healing in the cup. And so we want to, this is an identification with what our Lord has done. So we just want to encourage you, keep one another in prayer. So it'll be just the communion. We won't have foot washing tonight. We'll leave that for a future time. Let's just turn book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we'll go to verse chapter 32. We've been a little longer in the preliminaries. I'll be taking some of my thoughts into tonight's service as well. So We'll just go wherever we can, and then we're going to take it a slightly different direction tonight. But Deuteronomy 32, let's read in verse 1. How many are happy to be a Christian today? Amen. This is Moses. This is just as he is speaking to a generation that is about to inherit the promised land. Uh, In verse 1, he is speaking, this is just in the last days prior to them going into the promised land. Give ear, O you heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God, He is the rock, his work is perfect, all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and righteous, just and right is he. Drop down to verse 7. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask thy father and he will show thee, thy elders and they will tell thee. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Verse 8, 
For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. We'll just stop the reading there. Our title this morning is The Lord's Portion is His People. Let's just bow in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the baby dedication. We want to thank you for the songs. We want to thank you for the Collins family, Brother Ryan, as children that are here. We ask, O oh Lord, that your hand would be on them. We ask your hand would be on uh, Brother Reggie and his family. We ask your hand would be on everyone that's here. Lord, now we have been a little longer. We just want to invite you as we go into the word. Lord, as two that walked onto the road of Emmaus, they just began to talk. And as they began to talk, Lord, you yourself drew near. Lord, it's not in man, but Lord, it's you, the Holy Spirit in man. Lord, it wasn't the Holy Church in the book of Acts. It was the Holy God in the people. Father, that's the one we look to. You're the one that we look to this morning. And now, Lord, we invite you. If we've sinned, Lord, forgive us, Father. And, Lord, we've all come short, not one of us. But, Lord, we plead the blood, Lord. And even as we're approaching the communion, Lord, may there not be condemnation. But, Lord, may we know in whom we have believed. May we know we're feeding on the word of the hour. May we know that there's a blood, there's a bleeding word upon us, Lord. May that be a reflection of the acts that we partake of, Lord. I pray your blessing, your protection upon us as a people. Now we ask your blessing as, in the, as we've read the word. Lord, be in this service in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. Also, I just wanted to mention, I see your brother Marvin there. God bless you. So nice to have you here. And uh, good, good to, to have him here. Also, this Tuesday is a prayer meeting, and that's for everyone. There's many needs in the body that we, we can uh, think of. This morning I woke up, I was thinking of our brother Ron Spencer. I actually texted him briefly, and uh, he just said, thank you, appreciate that. And then he shared his title with me, and I'll share it with you so that you know I was actually texting with him. That's not why I'm doing that. He says, awakening the warrior within. And I, I said to him, I said, oh, man, that's wonderful. And I, I was thinking, actually, of Brother Don Bablitz, and I always thought Brother Don was the one that amplified this statement, but it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. So, so anyway, we want to remember that. Brother Donnie has put a number of requests forward for his daughter, Erica. There's needs in the body. I believe as we come together and pray, we all come together, and as we lay these things before God, as we've been doing it for our brother Ryan, brother sister Laura as, through this time, I believe God's heard prayers, and I believe he continues. So this Tuesday is prayer meeting at 7.30. Is that, did I mess anything up, Brother Andrew? Is that good? God bless you. Some of you were sick this week. You're here. Thank God for his healing touch. We had some stomach flu going around and things. That's why we're being a little cautious tonight. Let's turn also uh, over into First uh, Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. As I was doing, getting into this today, I realized there's more than I can do in one service, and if I don't take it tonight, it'll, it'll be a follow-up. But I want us to put the right perspective on where we are in this time. And 
So you, you pray. Let's just come together. Let's just say amen. I, I'll, I'll, I'll let you out at the appointed time. We'll, we'll carry into tonight. But First Peter chapter 2, verse 3. If so, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now, that's talking of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came, there was no beauty that there, to be desired. He, he was the creator of heavens and earth, but he made himself nothing for our sake. So he says, so that living stone, not disallowed of men, but chosen of God and precious, now he flips it to us. You also, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? Because you run after God in a way that others don't run after him. There is something God put in our DNA that when this came across our path, we, we didn't just say, that's my salvation, and it is our salvation, but it's more than that. He is our inheritance. He is our portion. He is our life. He is our breath. He is every part of us. I trust you find him that way. To me, religion is not just punching in on a Sunday and checking out when we leave. But it's in my Monday mornings. It's in my prayer times. It's in the little things. God is interested. I don't know about you, but I have found it. It is amazing, the little things. And you commit your day to God. Start and put it in prayer right from the beginning. Give time to him. Put him first. And you watch things move. You watch God be in the little details of your life. I, I tell you, it's the greatest life you could ever live. Serving God. So he would say, you're a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you would show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10, which in time past were not a people, but now a people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. How many appreciated the service Brother Menno spoke? Talking about God's responsibility. How once the bride is married, she puts the veil on the groom's shoulders. He accepts her responsibility. He is over them. He's the shepherd. He's the bridegroom. He's the comforter. He's the Lord. And I'll tell you, there's one group of people on the earth today that can really honor him as Lord. Yeah. 
And I believe it's the bride of Jesus Christ. There's many people calling on the name of the Lord. There's many people singing praises. i got to slow down. I need you to come with me. Amen this morning. Help me this morning. Uh, you're, you're, you're as much a part of this. I, I, I'm just here as the, the microphone. I, I, I want him to flow. I want him to bless you. I want him. It's not in me. It's in him. So I believe we want him to be Lord of our life. I, I'm going to use this scripture. Now I'm, I'm just trying to be conscious of where we're going. Let's go to Genesis 8. I, I'll, I'll insert this here. I debated putting it in later, but I'm just going to use this quickly. And I want you to think about this not just in a natural terms, that we are a church called Message, and we're different. And denominations are out there, and they're different. No, I'm going to say it's deeper than that. It's where the Spirit of God is attracted to. And, and you can be in the Message and be a denomination. Denominational thoughts and ideas and, and put God in a box, but this, this, this just is on a different level. Let me insert this. May, may the Spirit speak to the church. This is Moses after the flood. Genesis 8 verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. Now if God remembered the cattle in the ark, how much more the people in the ark? And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. Assuaged? Okay, whatever. Let's just drop down to verse uh, 6. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Now, God had given him instructions about this window. Now here is his window coming into play. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up on the earth. This was a bird. Now there's two birds released from the ark. One bird... There was death, there was carnage, there was carcasses floating in the water, there was dead things everywhere. One bird, by virtue of its nature, had no problem being out there amidst all of this. And it, it did never come back to the ark. But now, listen to the next verse, and he says, verse 9, and he also sent forth a dove. So what's God doing? He's a dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a dove has no gall. It can't feed on anything. A dove can only feed on the things of God. The Holy Spirit only feeds on the Word of God. That doesn't mean you're just in the Bible. But there's a filter that you use in all the things that you, you do. May God help us to take that thinking man's filter. And he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated. So God had so designed this window that he, Noah couldn't look with his natural eyes at what was out there. He had to depend on another sense. He had to depend on the Holy Spirit. He had to depend on a relationship with that dove. As we do, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith as the Holy Spirit imparts it to us. So the Spirit of God in us leads us. 
You can't figure out everything with your mind and your intellect. You can't figure out all the little things that come across the message in our path. But the Holy Spirit is a faithful bird. He's, he's the, the dove was a faithful bird. I'll tell you, you want to be in relationship. You want him dwelling in you. Okay, I'm holding back here something. And he sent forth a dove to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. So only by the nature of this bird, Noah knew, and she returned unto the ark, and the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And he put forth his hand, and he took her, and he pulled her in unto him in the ark. Now, I want you to, I'm probably going further with this than I want at this time, but just for the sake of time. So here, it went out once. Now, and he stayed yet another seven days, and now it goes out the second time, and he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off, so that no one knew the waters were abated from off the earth. Now, it was a faithful bird. It, it, would, it would go out, but it would come back. Now, think about Adam and Eve in the garden. They would, would fellowship in the cool of the evening, and, and they would lay down, and the next day they would come back, and here he was again. And it was this continual back and forth and reciprocation. This is the cycle that the bride is moving into. This is happening even in the midst of tribulation, like it was, was in, the, in, in the time of Noah. Now, so he says... And now in, in verse 12, and he waited another seven days, and he sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. So it came back until the season that life would come again. I'll tell you what, that Holy Spirit in us that, that God sends down to us to make a way in this quagmire of the world we live in, one day it's going to come, and it's going to pick us up, and it's going to return, and we're going with him. I'm looking for that day. I want to see that day. I believe that, that it's a reality. It's not just figured out intellectually. It is something that, that, that carries you. It's something that, that moves you beyond our own understanding. Okay, I, I dropped that in because I, I, I want to say this message is supernatural. And uh, there's an order to it. Acts chapter 7 now, Brother Branham, I, I, if I, and speaking on that line, I, I have found, just in studying it, that even the messages, you follow them through the order and how God brought them and to the time of the seals, and it became very succinct, right down to the token and souls that were in prison and flashing red light and, and, and service after service right to the end where it's God's provided place of worship. It's all of these things. Even the language the prophet uses, there was an order to it. In, in the last seven messages, he used the word seed gene more than he did in the rest of the message. It all was pointing to something. It's supernatural. I say stay in it. Feed on it. It's real. It, 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 it's my life. I, I wouldn't even be a preacher if I didn't have it. Because I was born for this message. Just as you were born for it. So he preaches a message 
the very end, what house will you build me? Now, it's a question, much like, by the way, I just want to say, God bless the brothers that ministered this week. Brother John on Wednesday, Brother Moses, he stepped in and took the young people's service on on Friday. God bless you. And I was just reflecting on the Word. We had a Bible study as well, and and, and all that Word, just, just a little thought, just kept dropping in at me yesterday, and I said, oh, God, it's real. Feed on the Word. It, it changes your disposition, your thinking, and everything. I, I, I was just grateful to be home yesterday. I'd been on the road and traveled out to Newfoundland and then back to Calgary and then back to Edmonton. And then we had this birthday party for somebody last week. And it was like one thing after the other. And I just enjoyed a Saturday at home and just in the Word and in prayer. And I said, oh, God, how I need this. How I need this. We all need it. So what house will you build me? So it's a question. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm going to just say the Lord's portion is his people. Uh, I'll, I'll drop these couple of things in. We always come and we're looking for, I, I believe if you're a Christian, if you're saved, that's not enough in this hour. I, I believe there's a, a cry and a call of every seed to be sanctified. And not just to be sanctified, to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I would say, that is not something you desire. God put that desire in you. And I'd say, it's even greater in this age. Because in this age, we're coming to the fullness. We're coming to our adoption. We're coming to our inheritance. And we're coming, there's a group of people that are behind us. They, without us, cannot be made perfect. There's a pull. There's a push that is, that is forcing us to where we're going. And it's greater than you. It's greater than your desire. It's greater than me. It's God. Because we're living in that season. And it's Him that's driving us into it. I say, be caught in that. So, what house will you build me? So it's, we, we think, oh, what's my inheritance? Where's my place? And, and you know, such an age where if we're not careful, we, we make it all about us. And, I, and really, as the bride in this last day, our identification is in the groom. So the question is, what house will you build me? So God has always desired, when he wrote the Bible and he looked across the eons of time, and he would look right down to where we are. And this was even before there was a speck of stardust. The bride was already in his mind. It reflected in, Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden. But it was a natural expression of what was really in the heart of God. And he had a desire. And he, he said, oh, that I may indwell man. And, and I think it was in Exodus. I don't know if it's chapter 25 or 29. And it said, let them build me a sanctuary. That I may dwell with them. And be in them. It was God's desire to indwell man. But in, in the Garden of Eden, Satan saw that also. And he came to the vessel. He came to Eve before Adam could come to her. Through the serpent. That, that was not just the serpent. That was 
Satan coming into a vessel. Before Adam could, so there was this desire God had to indwell a people. And so that indwelling would take in different forms. It would take in, you know, we're so blessed to sit where we're doing. Martin Luther never heard this. Wesley never heard this. Great men of God never heard this. What was in the back part of the mind of God, we are blessed today. We have this. Don't let it become common to you. It's real. But God in his back part of his mind, I want to express myself in my son, in Jesus Christ. And then I don't want to stop there. But I want that to be the, the first of many. I want to indwell in a people. I want to gain the preeminence where their thoughts are my thoughts. Where their words are my words. That's the desire. That's what God desired. And he says, and when I've got them there. <laughs> Why is the earth groaning today? Why is nature groaning? Why are the nations in upheaval? They're groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. They're groaning for God. He's wanting to indwell his people. And it takes turmoil to bring a birth. It's his desire. That's what he wants today. And he wants to, when he gets that, he's going to take us back to a Garden of Eden. Now, there's so much more I can say, but just to keep, say the focus. What house will you build me? It's not what we can achieve. Denominations outshine the elect in zeal and in works. This last weekend, this last week, we had an email in the church. I shared it with a few of the brothers. And it was on a Wednesday morning. Come tonight to a special great awakening. And it was down the road at the People's Church. This evangelist is going to come and his team of evangelists, we're going to wake and there's a YouTube clip and it shows them going out in the streets and the byways. We're going to change the world. We're going to do all of these things. And I admire their zeal and I admire all of that. But I also looked at them and the evangelist in question had hair down to his shoulders. And the people that he was bringing out were, were people that were... You, you wouldn't know they were Christian from anybody else. And I, I'm not saying that, that, that God doesn't have somebody in, in some fashion that's, that, that's there, but I'm saying that's not, that's not where the heart of God is at this hour. The heart of God, as he's looking in this hour, and he's looking on the earth, and that same Holy Spirit, that dove that's circling the earth today, it's looking for a place it can rest. It's looking for homes, homes where I can come into. I'm looking for mothers I can come into. I'm looking for fathers. I'm looking for churches. I say, let's make him welcome. Welcome and receive the word, and you will have deity in your midst. You'll have Christ in the people. You'll have Christ in the body. That's what we're here for. It's not the same as the rest of the world. 
I've, I've so many places. I'm, I'm going to just jump ahead a little bit here. You look at, there's a word in the Bible. This is, there's two perspectives here. Let's just, let's just read this for a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Oh, God's word is, it's a living word. It's a breathing word. When you take it in, it infuses something in you. As Brother John was speaking on the Son of Man, and, and as he was speaking on Wednesday, and we spoke after the service, and, and, and he's talking about the Son of Man that was revealed in a Son of Man, but that Son of Man is also being revealed in a people. He's the head. We're the body. That, that's, that's the one that came down. He didn't leave when William Branham left. He's here now. And he's got a body, and it's a people, and they're coming into harmony, and they're dwelling in this place. And, and as they, you know, and as we read in Proving His Word, and the uniting will come down to this, the Son of Man will come down, and he will make his word so real. And I, I spoke a few years back on, I, I called it the induction of the Son of Man, because they have this technology used to make a fire. You, you know, you have, to, you have to put the pot on the fire and do it. So, you know, it's technology to heat it up. As, as, as you move along in, in technology, they, they would have a, 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 you know, used to have those elements, those, those elements, and you put the pot on there, and it's a direct transfer it's like element to, to thing. And, 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 and then they had like these glass cooktop things. So now it's no longer an element. There was a group of young bachelors that went out on a trip uh, to, to BC many years ago. I don't, I don't see my cousin Dan. There he is. There, there, and, and Dan was the cook that night. And we were so hungry coming back from the meeting. He didn't have a chance to wait to get a pot down. He just took a raw wiener and rolled it across the element till it was close to being done. Sorry, Brother Dan, I'm telling on you, but that's the truth anyhow. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I thought, wow, you know, that was, that was under the bachelor motto. If it takes longer to cook than it does to eat, it's not worth it. So he, he just was hungry, and, and he rolled it back, and that's why God gave him a good wife, because who knows what, what, what he'd be eating off today. So <laughs> Isaac, you didn't know that. Hey, listen, I'll talk to me after the service. I got lots to tell you, lots to tell you. So anyway, but, but how did I get there? Man, I just distract myself. So you move from the fire to an element to a glass cooktop, and now they have what's called induction. And induction is, is a thing where, where you, you have, uh, there's no direct transfer of heat, but it takes two materials of the same, two different products of the same material. 
You buy these cooking pans and they say induction related. So they have a certain something that allows a certain element and it's induction. The two never touch each other, but yet there's something, there's a transfer that happens. Friends, that's what happens when you, when you hear the word. You may never get your hands laid on. You may never get this, but there's a transfer of the life of God in this message under the Son of Man ministry. I'll tell you what, how does it happen? The devil doesn't know. But I got the same material as the one who came down. And because I got the same material, I qualify. I'm a part of this. My. Timothy. Now, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. There's so much I could read. He will talk, he will talk in verses 9 through 10 about the law for the ungodly, the sinners, the unholy, the profane, defiling themselves. And then he goes into verse 11 and 12, but he says, you know, as the Bible would say in Ephesians, such were some of you, such was I, but oh God in his mercy. Brother Ryan, I'm as guilty as anybody else is of of all these things, but for the grace of God. Now, now, Timothy, now Paul, he turns this and he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me, for he counted me faithful. He put me in the ministry. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was... I was injurious. I, I obtained it in mercy because I did it ignorant and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant where faith and love which was in Christ Jesus. And he says, and he says, this is a faithful saying, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Oh, let's, we're coming to the communion tonight, friends. Let's not come with trying to have a religious air. Let's just remember where you were you were down here. He was way up there. He's the holy God. He came down to here. He still keeps coming down. He doesn't stop at Calvary, but he keeps coming down. He comes down to our level. Let's let's honor him. We're nothing without him. There's no great one among us. It's him. He's the one. So, So he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Howbeit I obtain mercy that, that Jesus Christ might show forth a pattern of long suffering for, uh, for all hereafter that should believe unto life everlasting. The only, to the King Im, Im, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever. So we need to remember the picture of where we were. Now the world will look at you. And they'll say, like, you'll, you'll come out of church. I, I come out of church sometimes. I'm wearing a suit. And especially now in the days of Zoom meetings, nobody wears a suit anymore. And you go shopping or you stop at the mall and everybody looks at you like, who are you and where did you come from? And, and, and uh, they look and, and they put you into that religious category. But if they only knew that this what you see is not a product of man or religion. This is a product of the work of the living God. And it's on display. 
And you know what? God's desiring to have a witness. Every age, he's always had a witness. Every age, he's had allotted a portion of his word. But he needed a vessel. He needed a house that he could dwell through and work through. And now in the culmination of all the ages, in Satan's Eden, he's got a vessel that is pure, that is undefiled, that he can work through. That's the one that we ought to subject ourselves to. It's not about my desire and what I can get. But it's, oh God, I'm here. Be it unto me according to your word. What do you want from me, Lord? I'm here for you. You're everything. You're my life. You're my breath. That ought to be how we do it. Because the Lord's portion, that gentle spirit that's going over the earth today, he's looking to find such. Oh, my Hebrews chapter 11, Paul is speaking to, the, to them. And again, he paints this picture. And he says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 36. Others had cruel trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The offscouring of the earth doesn't look like they were much. They weren't numbered among the great men. In fact, you'd say, they're despicable if you look through worldly eyes. Who are they anyway? You know, Brother Brandon would talk about his meetings. He'd, he'd have a, a group that was in the hall before him. and They all went out and they were nice dressed people. And he says, and then my group came in. Wheelchairs and crutches. And, and those were just the physical basket cases. The mental basket cases. But Jesus came to save sinners who were lost. He came to save those that couldn't help himself. Those that would open their heart, that had a great need, and would say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. But, oh, Lord, if you can get any glory out of this temple, it's here. It's yours. I'll tell you what, that's what we need sometimes. And I was just sharing with my, my mom. I just visited her the other day and just sharing some struggles and trials of different situations and peoples. And, you know, she just sits there so nicely. And she says, but, you know, those things... They make you hunger for God. And I go, that wasn't the answer I wanted to hear. I was going to say, I'm going to pray that situation off of you. and Because she does, she prays. She just said, no. And she said it twice. I said, okay, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. It makes me hunger for you. You, you know full well when, when everything's going good and you're here and you're there, you're, you're just thinking, it's hard to come down to a level where you reach out to someone and you really have a zeal for, but because we're afflicted, because we're tormented, because, you know, we're, we're not in our inheritance yet, but God's doing a work. Don't ever despise that work. It's a, real, it's a reality. It's, 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 a, it's, it's God's work. We don't suffer as others suffer. 
It's with purpose. It's with molding. It's, it's oh, it's so gentle sometimes. It, it, it brings us, it brings us where God lets it come right down to a fraction of an inch. But he knows exactly what he's doing. He lets it run so far and then he stops it. And then as our brother Tom so aptly said, then we begin to see the honey in the trial. Then we begin to see, oh, I wouldn't trade this trial for nothing. It was the grace of God to me. It was what I needed. Oh, thank God for it. Hallelujah. Hebrews. So we just read verses 11 up to 37. What a picture. But now the picture changes. And and Paul, now the same Paul that looked at Abraham, not well, he read Abraham's account, how he lied, how he disbelieved God, how he listened to Sarah. But now, taken through the filter of the blood, now in the Old Testament, Paul would speak of Abraham. He wavered not. He was strong in the faith. Because he saw the humanity, but he also saw God working with his vessel. And he even looked at Sarah. Sarah, who had more blame, maybe. Although, I, I don't know, anybody, every man that would sell his wife to Pharaoh to save his own life. Maybe he deserves a little bit more. <laughs> Listen, that strain kept on, you know. What did Jacob do when he was about to meet Esau and face the battle? He sent his wife before him. What a man. What a man. <laughs> and he had two of them. He didn't just keep one, he sent them both. Who said amen? <laughs> if your wife is sitting next to you and need counseling, I'm available in the office, okay? <laughs> my, my, my. So it says now, of whom the world was not worthy. The life you're living right now, the world doesn't give a tinker about your token. But you reverence it. You keep it. Every influence of hell is against this revelation. I'd say this, keep the walls up. It's going to prove itself over time. It said they wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. These all having obtained a good report through faith, they received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. So now, I, I won't fully get to this, but here, here was a group of people that was in the first watch and the second watch and they went to sleep and they went to sleep and they, now it's down to the last watch. And there's going to be a group of people that's not going to fall asleep. There's going to be a group of people that have all that was planted in every age. Now it's come upon them. I, I don't have time, but if you go into the book of Matthew, I think it's chapter 22 or 23. But Jesus talks about the generation, the Pharisees that were there. They say, 
All that you are is a representation of everyone that went before you. And he called them, you are your father, the devil. You are, and he just speaks to them and, and he's addressing it. But it was sin heaped upon sin, heaped upon sin, heaped upon sin. And it brought to this level where this was the generation that was going to crucify the Lord. It's the same in the time we live in. America will never be great again. America will never rise again. I, I, I just listen to tapes. I'm, I'm just there listening. And Brother Ram says, it's never going to rise. You mark my words, young people. He says, you watch in the days to come. It will. The world is going down. That's where we live in. But God has left a remnant. He's left a people on the earth. Quickly, Romans, Romans chapter, Romans chapter 9. I'm, I'm skipping some scriptures because my, the clock is moving and I'm going to keep my word. Romans chapter 9. Okay, so I didn't mark it, so it's okay. New Bible and some of the pages are sticking on me, but it's okay, we're getting there. So I'm going to read it from Romans chapter 9, verse 22. These are, I just want you to catch this thought for a moment. So the Bible would say here, What if God, willing to show his wrath to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction? So as much as there was a Moses, there had to be a Pharaoh. Pharaoh had to be there as much as Moses had to be. Now, all Pharaoh did was amplify what God was doing in Moses. He says, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Even us whom he has called... Not of the Jews only, but of the Gentiles. Now, he refers to Isaiah here. He says, as he also said in Isaiah, I will call them my people, which were not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass, come to pass in the place where it was said, you are not my people, they shall be called the children of the living God. Verse 27, Isaiah also cried, Concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Amen. Now, I, I, I will not really get into this, but if you want to look, out of all of the sons of Jacob, there was... Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. Let me, let me finish this thought on the remnant, and I may not come to it today. Brother Branham would speak about a remnant, and if you want to look at it, there's this, I didn't find the quotation this morning, but God has a tithing on the earth. And, and really, if you, if you look at it, tithing is a tenth of everything we are, but it's God's portion. And, and it's a reflection that a part of our life will always be God's. That should be without dispute, saying, Lord... This doesn't belong to me. I'm a robber if I keep some of this. Because this is your portion. Yeah. It's just a natural reflection, but it needs to reflect in our spirit. I'll tell you what, you, you, you struggle with, with financially, it's because maybe you're not tithing correctly. You put God first, and he says, you watch, I'll pour out a blessing. 
that you can't contain. Oh, these are, God cannot deny his word. But there's a tenth. God has a tenth of the people on, on, that, that he refers to. And, and they're a remnant. Now, Isaiah says, they shall be a remnant that shall, shall be saved. And, and, and in, in that word remnant, I want to just share something Brother Brandon would say. And he, and he would, would talk about it. And he, and he would say this. Oh, my goodness, did I not save it? Oh, here it is. Okay. He, he talks like this and he says, the remnant, the ones that had life in them, that little bunch. Now he refers to in the time of the coming of Jesus as Anna and Simeon and a few of those that were all waiting for the coming of the Lord. Now the life that had been in, in the seed all the way down, it, not all of Israel, uh, not all Jews are Israel or are the predestinated part. But there's a group that was ordained to life. And he refers to it, Anna and Simeon and all of those. And, and, and he said, this was the remnant. Brother Branham would talk further, and this is in the message, Birth Pains. He says, there is Simeon taking the persecution. He was the remnant. So the remnant was God's allotted portion. Now, I, I won't have time to go into it, but in the message, as the eagle stirreth his nest, Brother Branham would talk about how God expresses himself. One, in his universe. Two, in his word. So in his universe, that's in nature. Two, in his word. Three, in his son, Jesus Christ. And four, in his people. That's God's expression. So nature that we love, that expresses God. The world loves it. They can't figure it out. Science can't figure it out. Why do we love it? Because it's a part of God's expression. The earth is a part of God's attribute. And it says the word always was, always will be. Likewise, the sun was a part of it. I don't really have time to speak it, but let me just summarize this in a couple of moments. If you go in the Bible and you look at the 12 sons of Jacob and you follow it through, you'll find... Out of all of the sons, they're all given an inheritance. Okay, I'm going I'm to pick this up because there's a part of this I need to do. But I'm just going to take this part. Out of it, Joseph, who was a type of Christ. Joseph, he himself did not receive an inheritance. But he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And if you remember at the time Jacob was coming to bless them, the blessing turned. God switched Jacob's hands and Joseph tried to stop it. You know what it says? As perfect as Joseph was, that was a scratch. The other scratch was when he told Pharaoh, you know, don't, don't tell, he told Jacob, don't tell him that, that you're, you're sheep herders. It's an abomination. And what did Jacob do? He says, we're sheep herders. So, so look at, there was a, a transfer. But if you look at it, Joseph himself never had a transfer, but Ephraim and Manasseh did. It came through the son or the type of Christ. Our inheritance is through Christ. I won't, I won't, I'm not going to get into this properly today. I'll, 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 I'll speak on it next time. 
But, but that transfer came through Christ. And if you look at it, they were each given a place. And Manasseh was given actually a place on the other side of Jordan and, 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 and not in the, in the true promised hand. But Ephraim was given a place in the land, which is a type of, of, of the bride. Now, I, I, I just want to bring this, I bring this out for a moment because Joseph, if I, if I can say it this way, as a type, our inheritance is in Christ. Uh, uh, the portion of God, he poured the fullness of, of, of God in, into a son. Okay, I'm, 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 no, I'm not going to get even close. I'm trying to bring something in and it's not going to work. Go with me to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Forgive me for, for this. I'll, I'll pick some of this up. If not tonight, it'll be another time. We've got time for that. But God bless you all for being faithful and for your pull this morning. It's a blessing to me. Luke chapter 20, verse 34. Now, no, hang on. I'm, I'm in the book of John, so I want Luke. So this is, they asked Jesus the question about the natural life and the inheritance because you were always required under a kinsman redeemer to, as an obligation to raise up seed to the dead brother's wife. And so the Pharisees give him this seemingly incredulous uh, question. So what if the first one dies and then the next one dies and the next one, up to seven times? And then they ask him this question, so in the resurrection, whose wife is she? You know, I, I love hypothetical questions, like that serve little or no value, or people that bring doctrines, and, and they say, you know, it, it's going to be this way in the resurrection, and if you don't see it, you're not, I, you know, a lot of these doctrines, you know what they are? So what doctrines? So what does that matter to my faith in getting into the resurrection? And, and, and when they come, and it's a good thing to have a question, but to have a questioning spirit is a different matter. And, and you bring down faith of others. But anyway, I'm, here they come and they ask him all of this. Now Jesus puts the perspective back on it in verse 34. Because they ask him, whose wife is she? Seven of them had, had her to wife. And Jesus said, the children of this world marry and are given in marriage. But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain the world. Here is them that are not worthy. And the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Neither can they die anymore. They are equal unto angels and the children of God being the children of the resurrection. So Joseph, when he died, he gave commandment concerning his bones. He died in Egypt. He said, now don't let these bones stay in Egypt. In other words, when it's the time and the season of the resurrection, you take my bones and you bring them back to Egypt because that's where the resurrection will be. 
And I say that's the same for us. I'm not putting my value on this life, but I'm putting it in the Word, in the life to come. Let me die and be buried in the Word because out of that is the first resurrection. That's the one that's got life. That's the one that's upon the bride right now. Though she were dead, yet she lives. Oh, friends, you might die and you might think, I've got nothing, I've got nothing. But you can't describe what happens when you fully repent. As our brother said, when you repent and you die, and all of a sudden, out of that comes a new desire. Out of that comes resurrecting life. Out of that comes something that's greater than you yourself. It is the children of the resurrection. Oh, praise be to God. We're living in the season of the resurrection. Why? We hear his word. It strikes life in us. We hear it. We're quickened. We believe things that are so contrary to the rest of the world. What is it? It's what God has longed for all this time. Because when he died and went in the grave, and we embody ourselves by baptism in the same figure, when he, di- when he was resurrected, we were resurrected with him potentially. The potentials come when we hear the word. And when we hear the word, you don't understand why. You know, I got all these friends. They all got these things. They all got these interests. And I, my flesh kind of has them too. But, but there's another part of me that says, they're, they're, they're good. They're good people, but I, I'm pulled. I can't help it. I, I got to go this way. This is greater, friends, than, than who we ourselves are. This is the, the first resurrection. This is the rapture resurrection. That's the children that we are. That's who we identify with. This is God's portion. Oh, my, I feel like I've left so much there. If I could go into it in so many places, i got about three or four or five different places, but I, I feel like I just need to slow down and stop it there and do justice to it. Let's have the musicians come. As I get er- older, I learn from my elders. Brother Harold, he, he shortened his services. Brother Menno shortened his service. I still went another 20 minutes longer than him. But I'm not going to sing like he sings after. And everybody says, oh, thank God. <laughs> How many love this message? It is life to us. It is everything. He's, he's everything to us, isn't he? Oh, my. I scratched my notes. I didn't hardly get to them, but oh, my. Let's stand together. He's everything. He's everything to me. He's everything. He's everything to me. He's everything. He's everything to me. My father, my mother, my sister, and my brother, he's everything to me. Oh, he's everything, he's everything to me. He's everything, he's everything to me. He's my father, my mother, my sister, and my
If that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it'll quicken. This, this group of people that sent me the notice about the great awakening, I was really tempted to write them back and say, you know, they're at the people's church. I, I want to be in God's church. <laughs> I wasn't going to use that. But I, I was tempted to say, if you want... I believe we, we can't come to your service tonight about the Canadian awakening because we've had a worldwide awakening. And it's quickened people out of every kindred, every tongue. And, and we've had this awakening and we're living under it. We've been living under it for years and years. And if you want further information, start with the title of our church, End Time Message Tabernacle. And then it says, if you want further information, go to our website and you'll see why we're so excited about what we believe. I don't need to go out there. I want to be where the Lord is. I want to be where He's quickening. And words come out. And you can't figure it out, but it sparks something in you. And, and it drives you to places you wouldn't normally go yourself. Oh, it's wonderful. If that same spirit, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, well in you, well in you, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, well in you. let your word be born in the manger of my heart but if I could just keep this thought with you as you leave this morning the Lord's people are his portion there's a people on the earth today if, if you have a moment everything you hear in the news is about 
wars, pressures, and everything. And sometimes you feel like you're cowering down. I, I opened my Bible the other day and I read from Isaiah chapter 40. And we often go to the last chapter. You know, even the youths will fail, the old men. But, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But now go back and read the other 30 some odd verses before. The nations are as a drop in the bucket. My people, which are called by my name. God's attention isn't, isn't on the nations. Read Psalms 105. You know, the people wandered and they did this. But, you know, the newspapers of that day, they would have the pressures. If, if there was a modern day Putin, it would have been in the newspapers of that day. If there was a Sodom and Gomorrah, there would have been talk shows and there would have been transgender and things. That's the newspapers of the world. But up in God's paper, he looked down. There's Abraham. He's going to cross paths with Melchizedek. He's the king of Salem. I, he's going to pay on him, homage to him. And while he pays homage to him, he's going to look at the king of Sodom and say, I don't want a thing of what you've given me. Amen. God's looking from a different perspective. And I say this, we need to look and dwell on what God's thoughts of us are. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. If you're feeding on, on news, you're going to go, you're going to get depressed. If you're, you're feeding on the things, of, you're going to get depressed. But think on what God's thinking of you. He, he's looking for a people that will open their hearts and say, Oh Lord, there's not many places you can dwell, but come in my home, Lord. Come and walk with me. I listened yesterday to the message, He that is in you. In the morning, I think Brother Brandon preaches, Souls in Prison. That night he preaches about the Colorado storm and how he's in the middle of a storm and, and God says, just go back up. Come, walk with me. How often does he call us? Walk with me. Set aside. Put those things aside. Come, come. Just give me a little bit of your time. He's a gentleman. As much as you give him, that's how much he'll come in. What is he? He's looking. The Holy Spirit's looking. I want to express myself in my fullness, in my people, in 12-year-olds, in teenagers, in mothers and fathers. This Eve will not fall. Mary is a type of the bride. The angel came to her. She just said, I, I don't understand this with my brain, but be it unto me according to your word. I want to give place to you. I don't want to give place to the devil. Let's just sing verse 1 in a tiny, simple stable. It was a tiny, simple stable of
Oh, oh, oh.